Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Well, well, well. Welcome in, everybody. Good morning. It is indeed inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. I am your host, Matt Spiegel. Today, Bruce Levine has the week off. So guess what? It's you and me, solo. But we've done this before. Think of hit and run on a Sunday morning. Let's talk some baseball. There is news regarding um, the hot stove, and the news is no news. There is There are rumors regarding the Cubs, and those are really just rumors. There is new sound that you might have missed from this week from the heart and soul of the White Sox reacting to their latest hire. And there are rumors and innuendo about the coaching staff for the White Sox to discuss and all kinds of stuff going on that I'm ready to talk about with you. And none of it is election-based. Not one drop. I will, though, say that we should talk about a peaceful transition of power that has taken place this week. Very peaceful, very kind, very classy, on his way out the door from former, now former Mets general manager Brody Van Wagenen. I am grateful to Jeff Wilpon for the incredible opportunity and the unwavering support that he gave to me in my role of GM. We took a team, blah, 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 blah. Brody, very, very peaceful, very kind, very classy. Congratulations to Steve Cohen on the purchase of your hometown team. I hope that your energy, competitiveness, and resources will be welcomed by Major League Baseball. The sport can benefit from your fearlessness and aggressiveness. That's good stuff. Reminds me of the note that... um, that uh, George W. Bush left for Barack Obama or other notes that we've seen in the past. Good job, Brody Van Wagenen. And uh, Steve Cohen would be one of the interesting stories of this upcoming baseball hot stove season. The man is worth $14 billion. And he, he only dropped a couple of those on the Mets. So he's now worth $12 billion? No, he still has the Mets, so he's still worth $14 billion. So will he be the guy... Will he be the head of the organization that zags when everybody else zigs and pounces on some big-time free agents early on in the process? I don't know. 
I am extremely interested to see what's uh, what's going to happen with this hot stove season because there'll be a couple teams that are going to spend, but maybe just a couple. Going to be a very, very weird market. But we're going to talk about that in detail at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Also in the 10 o'clock hour, Tom Hamilton, not the bass player for Aerosmith, but the play-by-play man for the Cleveland Indians. I love talking baseball with Tom Hamilton. And we're going to talk with him about Francisco Lindor and the potential and probable, it seems, trade that Francisco Lindor will be a part of at some point this offseason. We'll talk about the Indians not picking up the option on Brad Hand, which is about as indicative of hot stove freeze as anything. A, A closer, and if not a closer, a dominant lefty setup man at $10 million. No, thank you. And nobody else wanted him. You couldn't even trade one year of Brad Hand at $10 million. You know, they tried to before they declined to pick up his option. It's odd, odd times. We'll talk to uh, Tom Hamilton in the next hour. This hour, our friend Ryan Dempster is going to join us. And I want to talk with Demp about a variety of things, and not many of them, frankly, are, are Cub-related. We'll talk about his new season of Off the Mound. I just watched it now this morning. It was just on at 8.30 over there on the Marquee Sports Network. Watched um, David Ross on with Demp. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to get his thoughts on how you build a coaching staff. What's the right personality mix for a coaching staff? And yes, my eyes are on the White Sox and Tony La Russa. Uh, I, I want to talk about the difficulty for a young pitcher to grow up and grow into his adulthood, his professional adulthood, and balance the desire to do what he's told and take the ball every time it's handed to him and the need to speak up about how he's feeling, about the level of soreness, about the ask and the expectations from a manager. And I do ask that with Garrett Crochet in mind, as he talked about that with Scott Merkin this week on MLB.com, and it was really, really interesting. So we'll, we'll get to that along the way as well. Um, also, your interaction is not merely welcome. It is elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. You can text us as well as call us at 312-644-6767. That's the number to get in via text. I will see them all there. That's also the number to hop on and call. And Adam Stadzinski, our producer back at the ranch, will tell me who's on the line, and we will get you in and discuss baseball with you. Really looking forward to it. You can tweet me at Matt Spiegel 670 And no, I I don't think I have to do the golden shoes read. I I mean, I'm ready. I'm so in to do it if I need to. But Bruce has not advised me of such. So I think we have it. I think we have it on tape. I don't know. Just be hanging around. Just be hanging around the radio for the next couple hours. And if I need to do the golden shoes read, I will step up and get that done. Because um, uh, it's not my show, but I'm on that show. In the words of Dick Durant. All right. So. Where are we going to start, you might ask? Spiegel, are you just going to blather like that? Are you just going to, like, jump around from item to item? Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to start with the heart and soul of the White Sox, given a chance to comment on the hire of the manager after the firing of the manager that he loved. And look, it, I think it was a bold and strong move to fire Rick Renteria and to say goodbye to Don Cooper. And this week, uh, we found out that Nick Capra, who has been with the White Sox a long time, was a minor league coordinator, then the third base coach. He's not going to be a part of things. 
So there are some new leafs being turned over, but it's hard to talk about that when the 30th manager is also the 41st manager of the Chicago White Sox. Um, Tim Anderson is a dude that's been on a lot of our minds since the rumors of this hire and since the hire. And he spoke in a Zoom this week, and it was interesting to hear the guy that is, in my opinion, the heart and soul of that room. He and Jose Abreu are the two guys who define the culture in that room, and it's a really, really good culture. It's been a big plus for that team as they have uh, built what they have built. So how's Tim Anderson going to react to the fact that Tony La Russa is his manager? Let, let's listen to a few cuts from Tim Anderson during the course of the week. I want you guys to hear this. First up is his reaction to the La Russa hiring, uh, how he looks forward to it. But there's, there's other stuff that's mixed in. This is Tim Anderson this week looking forward and his reaction to the La Russa hiring. You know, I don't know, man. I've just been, you know, kind of been reading what's been going on. Um, and kind of learning through that way. Um, and kind of, you know, talking to people to try to, you know, get a better understanding, you know, but I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, you know, learning from them. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of news that's saying that we may not get along. So, uh, you know, hopefully that we can get along and continue to do what we, you know, uh, what the ultimate goal is and stuff, you know, try to win a championship Southside. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just ready to pick his brain and, and, and learning knowledge and, you know, just try to, you know, try to make this as smooth as possible and, uh, you know, just try to have fun with it if he's, if he allows that. Well, <laughs> you know, nothing changes, nothing changes. We're going to keep having the same approach and, uh, you know, keep having fun. And, uh, you know, hopefully he enjoy watching it as well. <laughs> Tim Anderson. Fun if he'll allow it. And then he's asked directly about if he's still going to be Tim Anderson, if he's going to flip his bat, if he's going to, you know, have some fun, be his exuberant self. And that's the thing. When I say heart and soul, it's energy. You know it. Energizer bunny, baby. And you see him in the dugout just holding court. Guys, you know, hanging out, feeding off the energy, the ebullience of Tim Anderson. And here he is saying he will not change his personality. No, I won't change my style the way I play for Tony. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That won't happen. I will continue to be me. Um, I always have and I always will be. Um, And, you know, um, I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens, I guess. You know, if (laughs) if I do do a bad flip or if I pimp one, we'll see what happens. Um, but no, I will not be changing the way I play or, you know, the way I approach the game. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't know. There's more where he kind of talks about, we'll see how it goes. Let's go to 2588, Adam. Um, uncertain how to react to LaRusse's hiring. He and his teammates uncertain about how to react to Tony LaRusso's hiring. A little more from Tim Anderson. Cut number 2588. Here you go. I mean, we kind of didn't know. You know, we kind of don't know, you know, because uh, it's so much it's so much news out, you know, on, on, on you know, negative and positive. Uh, so it, it's just one of those things that's in the air. So, um, you know, just one of those things we, get, we just got to experience ourselves. We got to just go in and, and uh, you know, see see what type of manager he is and, and, and learn from him. But, yeah, man, we definitely, you know, we, we, it's something we're looking forward to. And, um, you know, we definitely, you know, kind of excited to see, you know, which way this is going to go. See which way this is going to go. Something that's in the air. See which way this is going to go. See what happens. Here's the point. And you're hearing it there in in the comments. And, you know, we obviously we talked a lot about it. I'm not going to harp on this the whole offseason. But this is the first we've heard from the most important guy in that clubhouse. 
in my opinion. And he is uncertain how it's going to go. It's in the air. He's looking forward to it, but he's also a little concerned. He's a big boy. He's a professional. I'm sure he's going to adjust. But think about the unnecessary challenge you have placed in front of your players. The unnecessary ask. Because now they have to adjust to a guy who does not make sense for the way that they are and the way that they have been, and he will have to adjust. He's the one that's going to have to adjust. But the fact that they're wondering about it, they're questioning about it, they're uncomfortable, that is the opposite of what you are trying to create. And so you'd think, as, as that is the biggest ask here, you'd think and you'd wonder, has Tony La Russa reached out and talked to some of these guys? Has he gotten that ball rolling? Has he, has he talked to Tim Anderson? Has he talked to some of these other players? Has he talked to Giolito? As, as you are entering into a, a pre-existing culture, where Tony La Russa's job, to me, is going to have to be a coattail rider in terms of the culture. Bring all of your logistic intelligence. Bring all of your, your strategic wisdom. Bring your intellectual curiosity. And as long as you have enough energy and intellectual and physical energy, then I trust that that part will be okay for you, Tony. But, but, but are you ready to be a coattail rider on the culture? And the first thing you should do is reach out and talk to these guys. So has he talked to Tim Anderson yet? He was asked about that. Have either of you talked to Tony? Um, hey, no, I haven't talked to Tony. I'm still waiting on him to you know, reach out to me. That's embarrassing. To me, that is incredibly embarrassing. We're more than a week since the official hire. We, uh, you allow, you allow Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez to go out in front of reporters and they have not yet talked to him. So all that doubt that's in the air that Tim is referring to is there is there in the comments, all these questions about, we'll see what happens. How do you not make a conversation like this happen? If you're Tony, how do you not reach out? You know why? Because Tony has been the bus driver of every culture he's been a part of as a manager. And it's worked very well. But times have changed. This team is ready. This team does not need him to be the bus driver of every culture. This team does not need him to to be the guy who dictates when they talk, when they don't talk. That's That's not how young players like it anymore, by the way, at all. To not have reached out and allowed Tim Anderson to, to greet the media and, and expect him to be as he is, an adult, be a thoughtful and, and energetic and empathetic person as he talks about this. But to not have reached out, to me, that is flat out embarrassing. One more from Tim Anderson. This is... Um, as, as I mentioned, the, the, the logistic strategy, the intellectual curiosity, that stuff in terms of what Tony has brought to the table historically. Tim is not concerned about LaRusso's ability to manage these days. No, no, he's still been watching the game. So he pretty much still knows what's going on. Um, it's not like he got to get out there and play. So um, all he got to do is just manage us. And uh, I'm pretty sure he still knows how to do that. Um, he's, he's Hall of Fame for a reason. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to, you know, see, you know, see, you know, see, see the Tony that everybody's talking about. I'm kind of excited about it, you know, to learn from him. 
and uh, you know, see which way this thing's going to go. All right, see which way this thing's going to go. That's the point. And some of the texters saying you're making way too much of this. This is the story of the moment, folks. And once they talk and sort some things out and work on it as a group, as a unit, between now and spring training and then in spring training, we'll then still be watchdogs. We will be watchdogs. I know I will be because there's going to come a moment where Larusa, on a day-to-day level is going to want to react and say, that's not how we do things around here. But it's not on him to say that anymore. It's just not. Terrific conversation with Jim Leland last week on this show. And Jim Leland and Tony are very close. And Leland assured us, if you didn't hear it it's, and you're interested, I think it's a really good listen. Larusa assured us that Tony is willing and ready to adapt because it's the player's game. At least that's the way that Leland talked about it from his perspective. I've always liked Jim Leland. Leland, to me, came across last week, as he has before when we've had a chance to talk, as a very young, energetic, and curious septuagenarian. Tony LaRusse has never come off like that to me. The stuff that he's done in his run with the Arizona Diamondbacks did not come off like that to me did not at all so it's going to be very very interesting to see how tony reacts and then how the players react this text almost everything you have said is wrong (laughs) it has been opinion sir or ma'am it has been opinion And like I said, I'm not going to harp on it all offseason, but now you've heard from the most important guy in that clubhouse, and you hear what he has to say, and you hear what's in there. The culture needs to stay a massive plus. 312-644-6767 is the phone number, and you are welcome to hop in via phone, via text at any point. How is the uh, coaching staff going to be comprised? How do, you, how do you put together a group that makes the most sense strategically, makes the most sense personality-wise? That's all, it's a really interesting concoction, isn't it? You need a guy to do this, you need a guy to do that. Somebody who's going to be kind. Somebody, maybe somebody's going to be a bad cop. Somebody who's going to speak analytics. Somebody who's going to really, truly relate to the pitchers and be a good mix in the way that Tony and Dave Duncan were a terrific mix, among others, on on his coaching staffs throughout the years. 312-644-6767 is the phone number if you want to hop in. It's Spiegel Solo on Inside the Clubhouse, and we have interesting rumors to get to along the way and much more. Ryan Dempster will join us at about 940. Tom Hamilton, the Indians play-by-play man at 1030. Your calls and your input every step of the way here on Inside the Clubhouse. We'll come back and talk coaching staff next on 670 The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. 
the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's leading ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Bruce Levine has the week off at Spiegel Solo with you here on a Saturday morning. Ryan Dempster in about um, 15 minutes. Yeah, a lot of textures, like angry that I'm expressing the opinion the way that I am. This guy, why stir up controversy? I'm not stirring up controversy. I'm giving you my opinion. Play the And I'm reacting honestly to the sounds that we are hearing from Tim Anderson's mouth. Play the Ozzy interview from this week. He's also on board. So there's two experienced baseball men who agree. Um, there's even more. Speaks, you're, you're making way too much about this. It's been a week and he doesn't call them. Give the man a break. No. It's your, it's your job. You've just been named um, manager of a team that is clearly, clearly having very mixed reactions to you being named there. I mean, maybe you want them to be in shock and to feel this sense of awkwardness all offseason. I don't know why you would. No idea why you would. Uh, Joe Girardi called Bryce Harper, I believe, day one when he got the Phillies job. It's, you know, you're trying to build relationships and forge relationships, which Tony mentioned. I think this has been embarrassing. And and, and what, what people... You know, hearing a player say, we'll see what happens and four or five different varieties of we'll see what happens when he's coming off a batting title and a terrific follow up year and a first playoff appearance where he set records in his first playoff appearance and was a complete and total stud and is a confident, you know, uh, a confident man in the full bloom of his of his athletic prime as a talker, as a trash talker, as a potential recruiter for Trevor Bauer, a guy who, who you want to be out there and espousing the awesomeness of what it is to be a White Sox player, for him to have multiple varieties of, I don't know, we'll see what happens. It's a bad, bad look. Bad look. Let's go to the phone lines. And uh, this is Tom in Plainfield on 670, the score and inside the clubhouse. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning, Spies. Um well, the good things about opinions is that everybody's got one, and yours happens to be that. I I don't look at it with the same negativity that you, that you do. Um, I my question is that they they, they obviously brought in a new manager, um, and, and regardless of who it was going to be, they wanted some type of a change in what you're saying is the culture. Um, no, no, the, I don't. The, I don't agree with that. I, you think they wanted well, a change I, in the culture? I, no, I, Again, uh, wait, uh, Tom, we'll, we'll, we have, we'll have a conversation. No, no, no. I, I, I'm totally going to give you a chance to, to yeah. say everything you want. But I don't agree that they wanted a change in the culture. I think they wanted a change, what Rick Hahn expressed and what I've heard expressed from others, they wanted a change in the, uh, the quality of strategy and the handling of pitchers, the relating to pitchers and especially a bullpen because it bit them in the ass in the final two weeks of the season and the playoffs. They right. did not want a change in culture. I, I, so I but don't no, agree well, but, that. Well, but okay, in, but in my opinion, part of that is part of your culture. Part of the way that the way the team is handled is part of the culture of the team. I'm not talking about just the clubhouse, the guys. I don't think Larusa is going to come in and and lay down a law and say. I, I don't think he's stupid enough to come in and say, okay, you know what, it's my way or the highway. Um, but at the same point, maybe he doesn't want to reach out to, to players until he has a, his staff, so that when he talks to people, he can say, look, this is what we're doing. This is the direction we're going. He has no coaching staff right now. 
I get what you're saying about reaching out to the players. I do agree with you that it is weird that, that you wouldn't reach out to at least some of them. But I don't think – I think it's got to be a mix. I think he's got to come in and allow the culture, but they also have to realize what they're getting as a manager. This guy isn't going to let them drop the last – you know the last ten games of the season as a flop, and then get kicked out. That's not his, that's not his culture. Mm. And so you know this guy's you know Tim Anderson, great player. Tony Larusa, Hall of Famer. Um, you, you know it, it, they they've got to each mix. It this shouldn't be bow down to Tim Anderson because Tim Anderson's a great player. No, Tim Anderson hasn't won a World that. Series. I'm not well, saying that. Tom. I'm not well, saying bow of, down. I'm saying, well, uh, Tom. You're saying he's got to get on the coattails. Uh, coattails, coattails uh, uh, of the of the culture, coattails of the way that those guys um, function in the clubhouse, because that's fine. Because that stuff is fine. You don't you don't need to go in and mess that up. Thank you, Tom, for the call. I've always talked about managers as two things: one, an atmosphere provider, and two, a, you know, a strategic uh, master, if you will. Like those two realms of doing it. And I've talked about this for decades, right? And, and this, team, this team has an atmosphere that's really solid already. Now, now, they would have to adjust to anybody and everybody. And a, a very sharp manager would come in and, and, help, and help that atmosphere be a little bit better if it needs to be a little bit better. But I, I don't think it does. I don't think it really does. Now the atmosphere that he's going to have to fix is the one that's been created by his own hiring. That's the atmosphere he's going to have to fix. I, I think he will be a far better strategic bullpen handler and pitching staff relater than Ricky Renteria. Some of the stuff that was in, and I referenced it in the, the column uh, uh, that Scott Merkin wrote with um, about Garrett Crochet today on MLB.com, or maybe it was yesterday was, was really, really telling how Garrett Crochet said that he was kind of sore leading up to that game three of the playoffs. I was kind of sore leading up to the game. I felt like I just hadn't been recovering well because I felt like I was thrown into the mix pretty quick and tried not to really speak out of turn. I didn't want to feel like they were going to have somebody else do my job. So that was a little selfish on my part, not really speaking up a little bit more. That's a very tricky thing for a young pitcher to learn, and we'll ask Dempster about that in a little bit, that balance of uh, you know, saying when you don't feel right, but also taking the ball and doing your job. And then you're talking about the specific playoff game. It was kind of a quick trigger. As soon as they got out there, it was already known I was coming out of the game. There really wasn't anything I could have said to stay in. I'd like to think I could have, but after the diagnosis, I'm glad that I didn't. They definitely made the right call doing what they did. But remember the conversation, and I'd heard this from some people who were very close to the team, that crochet should is not a guy who should be coming in in the middle of an inning he's a starter and every relief appearance he had made so far during the course of his brief MLB career was to start an inning and then you bring him in right there in the middle of the first inning and he's amped up and he's not comfortable and he doesn't have enough time to to warm up and get ready and do his thing and he overthrows a bit and hurts himself it's a matter of knowing what your pitchers are related, who's a starter, who's a reliever, who can be malleable and do a bunch of different things and who can't because not everybody can. I think Larusa will be far better at that than Renteria. 670, the score is where you are. It's Riles in Gridley. Riles and Gridley, you're on inside the clubhouse. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you, Stig? Good. 
Good. Um, you know I'm a Cardinal fan. What What do you want to know about Tony? Is he Is he the biggest uh, red ass in the world? Yes. Is he a brilliant mind at baseball? Yes. Will he mix well with the um, White Sox? Um, what do you, What do you call it? The White Sox. Um, you know, uh, just just their vibe. Let's say no, he's not going to mix well at all. He is a control freak. I don't think he's going to be able to, con- to change that. And I think the cu- or the White Sox would rather be playing under Ricky again. That's my take. Yeah, and thank, thanks for the call, Riles. Um, you know, they weren't going to get their Ricky. They loved their Ricky, and I and I understand. But it was time for a step up in strategy as as desired. My, my question was, are they going to let Ricky grow? Do you let a manager grow in the role? And they chose not to. And I, and I think that's I think that's that's well done, frankly. And and Don Cooper has been irrelevant to the success of the pitching staff for a while. He's grown more and more irrelevant through the years to the success of the pitching staff, which is a crazy thing to say about the pitching coach. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, Texter's now getting in a reaction to the conversation between me and Tom, and I loved the phone call, Tom. Always do it. Bowing down to Tim Anderson, says a texter, is exactly what is required to manage in 2020. It's called being smart enough to set your ego aside and realize what th- realize that you need... Uh, where does that continue? That you need Tim Anderson more than he needs you. It's interesting. I still don't think it's fully bowing down, but it is coming to a middle ground, coming to a common place, and it is setting your ego aside. It is humility. It's one of the great things that Jim Leland talked about last week with us. Humility. It's the player's game. It's not about you. And you know what? Not calling Tim Anderson in your first week and allowing him to greet the media when he hasn't had a chance to talk to you, that reeks of a guy who is getting ready to do it the way he's always done it. He calls the shots. He just calls the shots. 670, the score is where you are. Look, I hope it works out beautifully. I'll be watching for it. It's not like me to, uh, to have bad vibes, <laughs> babe. It's, it's just not. I have enjoyed the White Sox and enjoyed this rebuild, enjoyed the process. I've learned from it, which is my goal with baseball. Get smarter, get, you know, learn more as you go. I've called out a lot of things that have been really awesome and progressive and and, and and futuristic by the White Sox and really exciting. And this ain't one of them. Um, A.J. Hinch made a real good hire in Detroit, a guy the White Sox wanted as their potential pitching coach. Uh, his name is Chris Fetter. He has been with the University of Michigan and is now the pitching coach for the Tigers. He's 34 years old. He's built an incredibly successful pitching program at Michigan using a ton of modern technology, a ton of modern data. He's had several different first-round picks over the last few years, and he has really mastered the art of explaining and teaching the high-tech stuff in a way that is very succinct and uh, very clear to young pitchers. College kids are learning it like champs, and that's what they want. And Fetter was really interesting yesterday in talking about this. It is a great hire, and I I really want to know which way the White Sox are going to go with their pitching coach hire. There are internal candidates like Matt Zaleski, who is, um, I believe, the minor league pitching coordinator. Or Sorry, he's the the AAA pitching coach. 
Everett Tiford is the minor league pitching coordinator. Those are two names that might get considered from in-house. Kurt Hasler is the bullpen coach. He's been there five years. Um, the two outside names we've heard, Ethan Katz, who is the assistant minor league pitching coordinator for the San Francisco Giants, but he's also the former coach uh, at Harvard Westlake High School for Lucas Giolito, Max Freed, Jack Flaherty, and he's the guy Giolito went back to. Uh, before his massive transformation before last year. And another name we've heard, Bruce brought it up last week, Kurt Young, the former Oakland A's pitcher for Tony La Russa, the former Oakland A's pitching coach, has been out of the game since 2017. Uh, Tony did say at the end of his press conference that he had a lot of texts from former coaches checking in. He hadn't read them yet, but he had seen them, knows that they were checking in. Betting Kurt Young is uh, one of those guys. So... Be very interested to see where they go. Good hire by the Detroit Tigers yesterday. All right, let's talk about some of these issues with a man who knows baseball very well. So we'll do some Cubs, and we'll do some off the mound, but I just want to talk some general baseball stuff with a guy I love talking it with. Ryan Dempster is next right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. Bruce Levine has the week off. This segment is brought to you by Amazon. You've got Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670, The Score. Appreciate all your calls and your texts at 312-644-6767. It's interesting. I think a lot of times what happens, too, is there is fatigue. There's kind of sports radio argument fatigue. I've experienced it so much, frankly, not just from callers and listeners but from hosts too where it's like okay can we get to the other side of this and no i mean something sometimes things just remain true until you get a chance to watch uh if things move forward and we uh, will not have a chance to really watch this move forward the thing with uh tony la Russa and his players until they all get together or until they speak until they speak which uh, has not happened yet. But let's move along to some other issues. Going to be talking to Ryan Dempster on this show. Going to be talking to Tom Hamilton, the Indians play-by-play guy on this show. And um, this, this hot stove season that is supposed to be getting ready to go soon is just not even going to do anything. I was texting with someone in the, in the game in a front office uh, the other day who said that uh, – they are not expecting anything to happen of consequence until December 2nd. Till after December 2nd. So that is the day that the non-tenders will, will be finally uh, announced and decided upon. So if there's somebody who's going to be getting, you know, a fifth year of arbitration, getting that kind of money or their final year of arbitration, and instead of giving them that, you just non-tender them, just send them on their way for nothing to get nothing back. That's when that will be official. So there'll be another pile of free agents probably, and you'll have an idea of what the market will be, or at least what the options will be out there in the market. So we'll talk more about that at the top of the hour, why this hot stove is so woefully frozen and why it's going to remain that way for a little while. But first, let's bring in on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. 
The man, he is Ryan Dempster from the Marquee Sports Network, among many other things. And Off the Mound just debuted last night. Was that was that season or episode one of this new season, Ryan Dempster, last night? It was, it was pal. Sorry, I'm a, a couple minutes late on you there. You're good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, it was it was great. It was it was fun to have David Ross on, you know, and talk about managing his first year in the big leagues and having some fun along the way. So, um, yeah, we'll look forward to keep building off that. We got Jim Tomey next week and kind of go from there, but uh, a ton of fun putting that show together. That's awesome. Yeah, I watched it this morning. I watched the 830 replay right before the show. It was uh, it was lovely. Nice. It, was, it, it was it was perfect timing. Did did MLB really tell them to be quiet? I know they were chirpy and they were loud. They created their own energy and I know that that Jamoke in Cincinnati uh, had a problem with it. I forget that guy's name. Um, but anyway, he had a problem <laughs> with it. But did MLB really tell them to be quiet? That's ridiculous, if that's the case. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily told them to to be quiet, I think there was maybe let's hey, can we maybe use some particularly different words than the ones that you're using? You know, but like David was saying, you know, you get out there and you know, when I was playing and we had those old dugouts at Wrigley and a pitcher was backing up third base or something, you know, Chris Carpenter were playing the Cardinals and he gives up a triple or a double and he's you know, he's covering third base, it would just be us rain all day. You're gonna be here all day. You know, well, he was the only one who heard that, you know, and now with no fans in the stadium, every word of everything that's said gets heard. So I think it was kind of just bringing attention to that. I enjoyed that part of it, though. I, I really did. Got a little a little bit more flavor um, than we usually do. Um, Demp, we're, we've been talking a lot this hour about the goings on on the on the south side and. And Tony Larusa coming in there, and and just kind of the the difficult ask it is for the players. We played some of Tim Anderson talking about it, um, talking about how we'll see how it goes. Not sure exactly how it's going to go. It's just an odd place for a team that's on the cusp of maybe being championship caliber that just made the playoffs for the first time to have the locker room kind of kind of edgy and sort of wondering how it's going to go whether they're going to be allowed to be themselves um you think it's a different game now than it was in the 2000s in the 90s in the 80s in terms of how a manager has to get along with players you don't bow down to them but you find a common ground and kind of deal with them a little bit differently than uh, than it used to be yeah, I mean, I just think there's a little bit more um, give and take than there maybe was before. You know, it was a young guy you came up and you just do as you're told and that's it. You know, keep your mouth closed and your ears open. And it's changed a little bit. There's a lot more freedom for the younger player to be comfortable, which is a good thing, you know, because it's hard to perform when you're when you're not comfortable up there. But at the same time, you have to, you know, have a little bit of respect for the people that were here before you and that are currently there on your team. But go out and play, and I, I'm maybe I'm in the wrong on this, Matt. And may, the more I think about it, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see the problem with Tony Larusa. I, I just don't. I, I, this guy managed Ricky Henderson. You don't want to talk about, you know, Tim Anderson and his bat flips. Ricky Henderson was styling, picking his jersey, shuffling across the field, you know, walking off homers all the time. You know, mm-hmm. so this this guy managed him. You know, they they there was times in St. Louis where. You know, if the, if the moment's right, go for it. And I think what Tony will bring is just the accountability of, you know, playing the game, you know, the right way. And those moments don't have to be every homer you hit or every moment. It has to be at the right time. But he's just so incredibly, you know, knowledgeable about the game of baseball. I know he's older, but um, that's that's okay, too. He's 
he's he's young at heart and he's he's done a lot of things in this game and I don't see any reason why he can't help lead them to a championship if if they're talented enough to do it. Yeah, I, I, I don't worry about the age part. I mean, I worry a little bit about the energy just because it's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to be a manager and to have the, the intellectual energy and the physical energy for it the whole time. I just, you know, you know I, I mean, I don't know that these guys need to do it less or need to pick their moments in a way that fits Tony or fits, or fits somebody else. I, you, you think, but I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to compromise. If they're going to make it work, I guess they'll have to compromise just as he will. Yeah, well, that's that's what relationships are, right? Give and take and balance. And, you know, I, I think most, most importantly, he's going to try and get the best out of these guys. So we're not sitting here talking about, you know, bat flips or, you know, uh, a jersey that's unbuttoned down to the belly button. You know, we're talking about them winning games. And that's ultimately what he's brought in for is to win games. And he's been really, really good at that throughout his career. So, and when you're winning, things are fun, dude. When you're, when you're winning baseball games, Things are fun, and those players will have a ton of fun if they're winning ball games. And with the talent that they have, as we saw this past season, and as it's been brewing and kind of getting better and better, um, you know, and they add a piece or two here or there, I, I just think they're going to win a lot of ball, a lot of ball games. Demp, what what are the, what are the different personality archetypes that you need on a coaching staff? Like you need. You need one guy who – do you need a jerk? Do you need uh, a fun-loving guy? Do you need somebody who can be the therapist? Like, do you need somebody whose nose is always in the book, and when you need the book stuff, you can go to that guy? Like, what are the different kind of, of people that you need on a staff? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I think having a blend of different personalities is really, really key. I look at teams that I've been on that – when we've won, you know, whether it was winning a World Series or, you know, winning divisions and being a good team that was capable of winning a World Series, we had that, right? You have the fun-loving coach, the one that you can go to with anything. He's going to make you laugh that day. Um, you have the coach that um, is going to, you know, help communicate between you and the manager. The manager has a lot on his plate. You know, having a good bench coach that can communicate with you to let you know if you're playing or what you're doing because the manager's, you know, meeting with the press or meeting with the front office or meeting with a player – he's kind of that go between and gets things ready for you. And, um, and then you have, you know, the guy who's the, the expert in, you know, fielding or base running and, you know, he can handle all those things. And so that it's not all on one person's plate and, you know, and having a coach who's not afraid to go over there and say, Hey, let's go run 90 feet. That's all you got to do today. Um, you know, be in the right place, whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, he's going to be there if you need him, no matter what. And so, I think having that blend is it is important when you put together a coaching staff and you you figure that all out, um, you know. And we've seen it now with teams going with multiple pitching coaches and multiple hitting coaches and all kinds of quality assurance coaches, um, just because it's it's a lot to to put onto a manager um, and, and coaches. So the more people you can have in there with kind of a hand the cookie jar helping out um, is really really important. And and you know I talked to David a little bit about it before the season even started. He's like you know I'm so thankful. I have Andy Green as my bench coach, this guy managing the big leagues. He helps slow things down when things get going fast and, um, you know, and has been there and been in that seat. So constructing a coaching staff, man, can, can really, really be vital to the success of your team. And Andy Green, uh, a big part of, you know, coaching the infield defense, right? And the team just won, team just won a collective gold glove for the first time Rawlings gave that out. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. That, uh, yeah, so, Absolutely. Yeah, I, it, it, so so that's interesting. So yeah, you need you need that that mix of people, and now you've got like two pitching coaches, and the bullpen coach seems like more of a clerical position now. Like, all right, go out there and 
hold the clipboard and like uh, do that. I don't know. Is the bullpen coach in on it as much as he used to be as the assistant to the pitching coach or not really? Like, I'm trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I mean, I think with I think with some bullpen coaches who've been around doing it for a while, you look at like a Mike Harkey in New York. I mean, he's you know been their bullpen coach for a long time, and Lester yeah. Stroh did a great job all the years in Chicago. I think it's they're they're super important. You know, that's that's being in that position, being a starting pitcher, and then I've gone to the bullpen to have a good bullpen coach down there that puts you in the right frame of mind, lets you know who you're facing, you know, can quickly fix a mechanical thing as you're warming up is is really, really important. Keeps things light down there so that you're not stressing out the whole game, wondering when you're going to pitch. And um, No, I, I think that a, a bullpen coach, I always love there's, you know, you can have the moments, right? Like um, the bullpen coach kind of just flies under the radar. Nobody ever talks about them, you know, but they're always the guy that gets the phone call, like, is he ready? You know, is the guy ready? And then the guy comes in. And I always think back to the time Matt Sinatra was the bullpen coach in Tampa. And Lou called down, said, is he ready? He said, yeah, he brought him in the game. I think it was Mike Duvall, and he gave up a grand slam. Lou picked up the phone and called down there. And he said, I thought you said he was ready. <laughs> you know, so he's like, he's like the guy who gets no credit. But the minute something goes bad, they're going to be like, it was the bullpen coach's fault. What's going on here? So um, they do a tremendous amount of work behind the scenes that goes unnoticed. Uh, hey, Demp, I got a break. Can you hang for just a couple of minutes? I had a couple of other sure, things you I wanted to throw at you. Oh, you're Absolutely. the best. Thank you. you That's got Ryan, Ryan Dempster. He's going to hang with us here on Inside the Clubhouse. We will talk about the, uh, the, the, the frozen hot stove next hour. And Tom Hamilton from the Indians play-by-play team will join us. But more with Ryan Dempster with me, Matt Spiegel, on The Score coming up after this. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.